Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. Today's episode of the A-Game Podcast is brought to you by Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. Go to www.nicknicknick.com slash links to get some of the most pure CBD you can possibly get on the market. It is a Navy SEAL owned by Mr. William Brannan out of Hawaii company. So go on uh, nicknicknick.com under affiliates. When you click on the link under the affiliates that says get discounted CBD today, you will get redirected to his site and you can pick all kinds of different things from gummies to drops to clothing to multiple different ways and ingredients and things like melatonin and super greens and things that are expanding every single day on that site. To me, CBD is a miracle drug. If it, things have been nagging, injuries, stress, anxiety, trouble sleeping, if you consistently take CBD, good CBD, not that gas station crap, for 30, 60 days, you will absolutely start to feel a difference. You might not feel it when you're taking it. But when you stop taking it, all of a sudden, you're going to realize all those little things that went away, and you'll start to appreciate what it's really doing for you. When you go to purchase that, if you put the promo code AGAME in there, you will get 20% off when you go to check out. Also, we have officially released our ebook. So if you are interested in reading about how the real estate market has changed since the coronavirus, go to nicknicknick.com, and you will be able to get a free ebook. You can get it for a couple bucks on Amazon. Um, but you get it for free if you go through our website. So go and check that out for free. It's a nice, quick, easy read, which is some good updates that hopefully you guys will learn from. And if you are interested in getting involved in real estate investing on any level, check out Nick at nicknicknick.com for an email or go on nicknicknick.com and just search around a little bit and figure out where do you fit in? What are you looking to do? If you're looking to get involved in real estate, if you're already in real estate, and you're looking to scale up. If you're looking to get into multifamily, land development, fix and flips, buy and hold, uh, be a passive investor, be an active investor. If you don't even know what any of those things mean, Totally okay if you want to start to get involved in real estate in any way, shape, or form. Maybe you buy properties from us that are already cash flowing. Maybe some fix and flips from us. Maybe you um, sell us properties if you have some good deals, or we can find a way to partner. Either way, Nick at nicknicknick.com. Go to nicknicknick.com. All kinds of Nicks, all kinds of stuff. Get your CBD in there. Check out the ebook and definitely enjoy this episode of the A Game Podcast. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Mr. Zachary Babcock. He is absolutely taking over the podcast category on all platforms as far as, uh, well, you know, we'll jump into all the different things he's doing, but his actual podcast, Underdog Empowerment, is just topping the charts every single week. He's taking other guys on the road with him. Um, he's got an amazing story. He's also the author of From Prison to Promised Land, and uh, you can find his Facebook group, uh, Underdog Empowerment Movement on Facebook, which we'll talk more about. But uh, his story is just an incredible one. There's so many different things that I really want to go over with you over the course of, of this interview. I appreciate you giving our time, but um, I've heard you on so many different podcasts over the last six, seven, eight months. And I feel like every single one of them has a different nugget or a different topic or a different story or a different angle based off of what you're doing. So give a quick uh, 30,000 foot overview and background on yourself. And then I just have so many different things to dig into with you. You have so many great topics for entrepreneurs that I just would love to discuss with you. Right on, Nick. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's kind of weird, too. We're in the middle of a transition. I started the podcast uh, when I was broke as a joke, right? Uh, coming out of prison. 
and uh, did that for a little bit over two years. And then now we just got our office space and built a really world-class studio that's almost finished. We just got to put the finishing touches on. It's going to be finished later on this week. But uh, yeah, man, real quick, 30,000 foot overview, high notes, cliff notes, whatever you want to call them. Uh, did over five years of my life in prison for being a knucklehead. Didn't have any chief aim in life. And then I uh, went back to prison just 20 days from my twin sons were born. And that was like the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. I was like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore, man. And ever since that moment, just been moving in a completely different direction in life. I love it, man. And, uh, you know, I don't want to make too much of the focus of the podcast prison because, you know, one of the things I loved, uh, I don't know if you know who Uriah Faber is, but he's a UFC fighter, a real estate guy. And I remember he was asked by when his dad, I think, was getting his 19 year sober pin. They said, hey, can you come to the to the meeting? for the celebration and tell a bunch of like stories about when he was drinking. And he goes, no, I can't. But if you want me to show up and tell you about all the good things that happened when he wasn't, then I'm there. And I feel like that's really what your story is more about is not necessarily what you did, but where you went and who you are now. And I love where that comes from because it touches on many people's stories, not even as drastic as maybe going to prison, but just making that change and changing the trajectory and changing the story you tell yourself, I think is just awesome. And the, the people now that you surround yourself with when your old mindset and old life was you telling yourself a story of like, you know, Hey, I'm just going to go back to prison. I know you went back another time. Then to now be brushing shoulders with millionaires and multimillionaires. And you, you've had Andy Fasella, Grant Cardone, Billy Jean, Neil Patel, Dean Grazioso, John Lee Dumas, uh, all these great guys, Les Brown on there. And they're giving you all these reviews about how great your story is and your podcast is. I just get a lot of lessons from you on entrepreneurship, productivity, mental toughness, mindset, so I definitely want to focus on the positive, but I also do think that there's always a place where people switch their paths and make a choice that this is not what I'm going to do anymore. And I think on your episode, I heard Les Brown say, how you live your life is based on the story that you tell yourself. Mm. At what point, what happened that made you tell yourself, this is not who I am and this is not what I'm going to continue to do and go from somebody who was in two stints in prison to now this six-figure business entrepreneur guy just kicking ass and taking names. Bro, I love your level of preparation as, as a podcaster. <laughs> it's next level. It's, it's dope, dude. And what you just said right there is it, dude. That is such a great question. And, and that is everything, man. Your identity is literally everything. So what you just said right there, what, at what point did you realize like, hey, this is not who I am? That's where it started with who. So you got that book and I'm not knocking it. Uh, well, I am knocking it because you can't start with why, you know, that, that book start with why you can't start with why something is important to you. If you first don't know who you are in the first place, you got it that you have to start with who, and then why is super important. That book is amazing. All the stuff in there, but you can't start there. It starts with who. And the reason why I say that is because think about it. I don't know about you, man, but anytime I've made any major shift in life, like I went from being overweight to, to physically fit or went from prison to entrepreneur, like, you know, uh, responsible, all that stuff. It all started with identity, my self identity of who I identify with the story that I tell myself, like Les says, you literally, like, if you like that quote, uh, Henry Ford, if you think you can, or you think you can't, you can't, you're right. Or whatever that is. I butchered it, but you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. If you think you can, or if you think you can't, you're right. Whatever it is that you think, you're right. It's your identity. And so think about this, man. Um, I, I tried to sm quit smoking cigarettes. I started smoking when I was nine years old and smoked for 20 plus years. And I tried quitting, you know, not more than once, like, I don't know, probably hundreds of times. 
And I had strong reasons why I needed to quit. I want reason why I wanted to be, I wanted to live a long, healthy life and be in my kid's life and see my grandkids get married um, and, and enjoy everything. And, and all these strong reasons why, and I was trying to start there and it never worked. And every time somebody asked me for a cigarette, I would be like, no, dude, I'm trying to quit smoking. But that was the problem because my identity was I'm a smoker, but I'm trying to quit smoking, but, but I'm still a smoker. I'm a smoker. That was the, the identity. When I started with who and got clear, like I'm a healthy person, I'm a man of my word, I'm a hard worker, all this stuff and got clear on my identity of who I am. You know, I got over six months now of not smoking cigarettes, which is the longest I've ever went in my life. And I don't even think about it anymore. And when people ask me, do I want a cigarette now? I say, no, I'm not a smoker. You see the whole difference versus, hey, I'm trying to quit saying I'm a smoker that still smokes, but I'm just trying to quit versus, no, I'm not a smoker. That's my identity. And so I broke it down. It, 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 this is very simple, but it's, it's, it's uh, simple doesn't mean easy, right? You know, it's very simple, but this is the formula, man. It starts with first you identify with who you are or who you want to become. You know what I mean? So you identify, then you behave. So like, say I want to identify as a person with a six pack abs and 210 pounds, 10% body fat, all that stuff, right? It's a clear identity, you know, so I identify, then I behave, I do what that person does. I work out every day. I eat a nutritionally balanced meal plan, all this stuff, right? It doesn't happen instantly, but over the course of behaving, identify, behave, and then finally I become that person in the process of behaving because I identify with that person. Yeah, man, I think that's outstanding. And congrats on the six months, man. I know that that's not no, an easy feat. So kudos to you for quitting. That's amazing. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Exactly. I start with who? Exactly. <laughs> man. Like I think that self-talk gets not enough attention. You know, I think people were in a weird time that when I talk to people individually or anytime I do like public speaking and we go into mindset, people start rolling their eyes. Meanwhile, the most watched videos on YouTube and most the highest accounts on Instagram are freaking Gary V and Tony. Ro it's all the mindset shit. So as much as people go like, oh, I don't want to hear that, everybody needs it. And more and more people that I talk to that I'm sure you talk to, when you look at the basics and the fundamentals of why they're successful, it's usually not about the talent that they have for selling real estate or writing books. It's, it's that internal mental drive from that self-talk. And I think that that's a, a huge thing. And I imagine you didn't always have that or you weren't always telling yourself the right story. So, you know, I, I know a couple of the things you were saying, I, I'm big, a big believer in habits, which I'm, I'm sure you are too, as you're going through this, but you had some major, major things happen to you while you were in prison and you could have easily taken those and made that as an excuse or lit a fire to continue to self-destruct, which you didn't. You used it as something to, to repurpose and reposition. And I know that some of the things I read, I'll let you tell the story, but you started by handling very small things and every little detail that you started doing, like things in your cell, started creating these more positive habits and these better connections. And I'd love to hear that because I think that whatever, wherever anybody's going through, it's always a choice of how you're going to handle it. Everybody's going to go through shit. Everybody's going to have bad weeks, bad months, bad years, crisis and stuff. But what are you doing? How are you handling it? How are you stopping that out and creating better connections and better habits? And I mean, you were in the perfect position that anybody would have understood you not turning that into a positive, but you did. And I think that that's just an amazing thing. Thanks, man. That was a, a you know, you have moments in life, you know, a bunch of stuff happens, but that was like something that completely changed perception on life. And like, dude, so to go into that, I was in the hole, which is the prison inside of the prison. I was two years into my prison sentence. And um, there's a bunch of twos in this story. And I was two weeks into that two month stay. 
in that sentence of in the being in the hole. And so the hole is like a dark, dirty, lonely, depressing place. There's very little to no human interaction. I get called back to the captain's office. I'm thinking like, hey, somebody told on me for something I hadn't gotten in trouble for yet. Or they're trying to get me telling somebody else. You know, I'm 21 years old at the time and I'm still in my rebel you know, stage. I'm not like, it haven't changed my life around yet. And so I go back there. I'm like, dude, I ain't got nothing to say. Y'all could put me back in my cell. And the you know, captain sitting behind his desk with, with, with his arms crossed. He's like, how long you been locked up? And I'm like, dude, two years. I don't have shit to say. You know, put me back in my cell. You got me for two months and you got to put me back on the yard. He's like, uh, Mr. Babcock, we got a call. And uh, your mom informed us that your sister passed away from a heroin overdose. And dude, that was last thing I was expecting. Um, you know, totally caught me off guard. And it was like a shock. I can't really explain it, but, you know, it was like, shit froze for like a minute and then just adrenaline burst through me and tears started flooding down my face and then they gave me a 30 second phone call legit 30 seconds me and my mom were crying to each other telling each other we love each other and then the phone hangs up uh but then here's where the lesson comes in then they put me back in my cell and i asked to be put in a cell by myself for the next three days didn't get out of bed didn't didn't eat i i got out to use the restroom that was it and just sat there and you know all the crazy stuff going through my head all the mean things I ever said to my said and did to my sister, the goodbye, I never got to tell her like all this shit. And finally on that third day, I decided, you know, I asked myself an empowering question. I was like, you know, what can I do right now to find happiness and peace? And it was crazy. I got lucky by asking myself that question. Cause that question got me to search for what I had, what I could do right there to find happiness and peace. And I was trapped in an eight by 10 cell, but what it led me to was dominate every single detail of that cell. Like, dude, when when I say I clean the cell, I didn't just, you know, like do like a little clean, like I, and I won't get into super details, but like OCD doesn't have shit on what, <laughs> what I was doing, bro. Like scrubbing the walls, the toilet, the floor, sweeping it with my bare hands and gathering the dust bunnies and taking the toilet paper, getting it damp, picking it up, throwing it, throwing the dust bunnies in the toilet, like detail, like you could eat off my cell afterwards, toothpaste in the same exact spot, like, like crazy clean, but, but, did that every single day at the same time. The nurse would come around after lunch every single day at the same time. And I'd ask for an MSR, a medical service report. Didn't need one. Just let me get that as part of the routine. Read every single day at the same time. Worked out right after dinner, or right before dinner, every single day at the same time. All these things, like literally every single minute of my day was calculated. And I had a nice, clean environment that I was feeling good at. I'd work out at the same time, releasing natural endorphins in the body, all this stuff. And it was such, so, so much structure that by the end of that two months, after losing my sister and being down in a cell by myself and nobody to talk to, I found a peace of mind in like one of the darkest times of my life, man. So habits are everything. Um, the questions you ask yourself are everything because you could ask yourself the wrong questions. You might say, well, why does this shit always have to happen to me? And you ask that question, you start looking for that answer. Now you're looking for the wrong answers because you asked the wrong question. So, yeah, man, it's uh, it was a game changer. I love that, man. And I love how you you came out and you embraced the story to focus on the positive of it, like we were saying before, but I know that a lot of people come out and, and when you first got out, you know, you got laid off of a job and a couple of my friends have been in the same situation where they go and they start to get better and they're, they're back on their feet and they're working. And then a couple of weeks or months in, somebody goes, Hey, we found out you lied on the application. You didn't check this box. And my memorable one friend was like, Oh, you mean the, the don't fucking hire me box? No, you're right. I didn't check that box. Like, so they make <laughs> it so hard. Cause it's like a slippery slope. What do you think of the the system? Like when you look at things like that, it's almost designed to keep people, keep, keep them down for the most part. You know, how are you supposed to get ahead when you have that scarlet letter? But I mean, obviously you did, but what are your thoughts on on that whole process and the way it's handled? 
man, it, it it's not almost designed. It's totally designed to keep you dependent on the system. And um, what I mean by that is, you know, they give you food stamps, welfare, assisted living. That's not teaching you how to fish. It's giving you a fish. You're dependent on the system. Um, and then if you look at our recidivism rates in the U.S. nationwide, it dwarfs any other country by far. It's a for-profit system, and they make their money by keeping you in the prison. And so, uh, and then the resources that are offered are complete, utter bullshit. Haven't gone through them myself. I'm not making no excuses because I, you know, I beat the system. But what I'm saying is that the resources that are offered do not help at all. They actually, they actually throw you off your game. If anything, look at it like like social media, dude. That system, all the platform businesses, they're all. What is their any platform business? Uber, Amazon, Facebook, uh, uh, Airbnb. All what, what is their main thing their system is designed to keep you on that platform because they make money you know some monetize differently but most like a lot of transaction platform businesses make money by keeping you on the platform and running advertisements so that the customer is the people using the platform for free they're they're actually the customers and stuff so so it's a system that is is designed to keep you in it you know what i'm saying same thing in the prison system and um you know, that's uh, one thing I'm really passionate about that we're doing with with all of our companies where, you know, we're going to be offering services to people coming out of prison, resources that aren't currently available. And I'm not making excuses for that person because, you know, what you put yourself in prison, it's your fucking fault. You know what I'm saying? But I'm trying to give people an opportunity, you know, people that were like myself that are coming out that learn from their mistakes, that want to come home and do the right thing, be a productive member of society, be in their family's life and do good. You know, so we want to give them that resource by, hey, come work for us. We get you matched up with the right company with other entrepreneurs that we're connected with that fit your strengths. Bam, it's going to give you a job coming right out the gate where most people don't hire you. People that want to become entrepreneurs, we're going to have programs that teach them, you know, how to get into entrepreneurship. because That's a really good route for most people coming out of prison, you know, stuff like that. I think that's awesome, man. And again, one of the things that as I, as I talk to people on this podcast that are known as like, you know, quote unquote, clean people. And I ask them like, man, I just stay out of trouble. I just stay out of prison. I just stay out of, and they go, I just didn't get caught. You know, so when you look at like most people, as much as they want to point a finger, it really is situational of, you know, every, what's, what's the old word? Every, uh, every sinner has a past and every saint has a future. Or every saint has a future, every sinner has a past. Something like that. You know, you know what I'm yeah, going with that. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's true about everybody, man. Now, one of the other things that for, for me has been a constant struggle as far as being an entrepreneur is focus. And, and I, I laugh when I hear it because it, it is a lot of the same story, but you know, you, you sell stuff on the MLM, like everybody's tried like, you know, prepaid legal and Amway and all these different things. And, you know, people dabble in real estate and stocks and infopreneuring and you wind up almost trying everything until something really sticks or something starts to make you money. And, and most people, when they start to make money or they see that it takes a little bit of work, they quit. Like we'll talk about with the podcast, but you seem to have really focused and honed in on your super ability, which seems to be podcasting and, and many aspects around that and how to monetize it. How, how did you wind up picking and focusing, going all in on podcasting? Two things, man. She, and I'll break it down, but sheer hustle and dumb luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, literally, dude. Uh, it was like when I started, when I left, because I got out and I started with network marketing for two years and had some success with that, but that wasn't my thing, dude. And I was like, yeah, this is not me. I want to do my own thing. And um, when I started off as an entrepreneur on my own in, in the beginning of 2017, I never once would have thought about a, being a podcaster or helping people with podcast stuff. You know, like that was not the thing. 
how it happened is there was no like I was going to do whatever it took to to be successful. Like I was doing it, and, I, and you know, it didn't happen right away. It happened over a course of another year and a half of bashing my face into brick walls and financially stressed the fuck out. Uh, but finally broke through. Um, and it, it happened by sheer luck, by in the fact of I put the podcast out because nothing else was hidden. And I put the podcast out and immediately got it ranked on Apple and had Billy Jean's marketing the next week. And then the brand started taking off after that. But I still wasn't monetized, but I was like, man, there's something here. And so for the next year, I wasn't really making much money. I was making anywhere from like two hundred to eight hundred dollars a month through affiliate marketing through the podcast, which ain't a whole lot, but it was keeping me barely afloat. And I was figuring this stuff out. And I'm sitting there trying to do something completely different that had nothing to do with podcasting. But I went out to this event uh, at Marshall Gillen's event. It was a small mastermind of like 20 ish uh, entrepreneurs. And uh, they had me speak and he had me come up the second day and speak about uh, podcasting. I was like, okay, whatever. Spoke about it. Everybody's eyes lit up and they're asking me questions and stuff. And I'm like, man, I might have something here or whatever. I didn't know that people didn't know all this stuff about podcasting, like getting it ranked, interviewing high level people. Uh, making two to eight hundred dollars a month through affiliate income. Let me let me go put this offer out. Put it out, eleven k the first month that I put it out. I was like, holy shit, you know. So it was sheer luck, and just been driving that home ever since. Uh, and now we're starting to expand into like different markets with uh, with podcasting stuff. That's awesome, man. It's it's one thing I get beat up on a lot by my partner when she's like, focus one thing, one thing. And uh, I actually just read that book. Uh, I think it's called The One Thing by Gary Keller. Love and that. the the biggest thing I think I got from it was right that first page when it just says chase two rabbits, catch none. I, th- I have to tell myself that all the time of like, no, 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 focus, finish this, do this. But, um, you know, I also do love the success stories. You know, obviously you're a big brand. There is the underdog empowerment, but I feel like the, the underdog is something that comes up a lot with my guests. I deal with a lot of athletes, a lot of UFC fighters. I just had Ray Longo on who's coached a bunch of guys in two of the biggest sports betting upsets in UFC history. And he coached them both to victory and everybody was like, oh, you shocked the world. But he was like, nah, he's like, you know, we felt good about that because everybody kept telling us like, you can't do this. And the more people that didn't believe we could do this, the more we were like, you know, fuck you, we're going to do this. Watch what we do here. And, you know, going out with that, I've heard you talk about using a chip on your shoulder and using your dark side to prove the doubt is wrong. How much of that has been something that's pushed you to keep climbing for more and more and finding success and not quitting when things get hard? I still, it's such a huge thing. I still continue to to dive into that because like I'm always raising the standard even higher, raising the goals even higher. And so people are like, nah, you know, way. And, and then I, I, I look for any type of competitive edge I can. And um, you, you've seen that through uh, Michael Jordan, dude. The, did you see the, the last dance? So parts uh, of that. Throughout the whole documentary showing his career even long after he was the alpha dog, the greatest, like in the league and everybody knew he was going to be the best ever of all time. He still found ways to find external motivation. Like that time he even made stuff up in his mind. Like after that first playoff game, I can't remember the dude's name, but the dude dropped uh 36 on him in the game. And then Jordan, and then he didn't even say this to Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan pictured him. His teammate said that Michael Jordan made this up in his mind that he came up and said, nice game, Mike, after it's just a nice game, Mike. And so the next game, then game two, Michael Jordan dropped 37 in the first half on him. You know what I'm saying? And then they, they, but he found that external motivation. So I was a little thrown off the first time I interviewed Andy Frasilla. I was asking him about this and Andy was like, yeah, man, it, it, you know, it was great in the beginning. It's at some point, you reach a point where you're not out to prove them wrong anymore. It's more about proving yourself right. I'm like, oh, man, that's deep. 
And I'm like, I get that. Yeah, I'm driven by stuff within. So for the next year, I, 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 I was stewing on that. And I was like, man, I just don't think I'm at that level yet because I still get off to proving people wrong and, and <laughs> laughing in their face afterwards, like revenge. Like, dude, I did it. What do you want to count me out? All that stuff. And it's still a a big driver for me. And it gives me that extra feel. Right. And so I asked him about it the second interview when I went back and I was like, man, I get it. You know, I'm I have very strong reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's like you got to, you know, be doing it for those right reasons. But there's still nothing wrong with drawing on that. Some people say, well, man, you got some inner work to do. And that may be true. But guess what? It's working. So, you know what I mean? The working, it's working, you know? Yeah. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Yeah. You, you know what, dude, what, what gets me is like, I don't know. Cause I never reached enlightenment. The closest to enlightenment I've ever reached was in that prison cell towards the end there. Like I was at, that was like the most peaceful I've ever been in my life. And I was in the whole, in the prison inside of the prison, but that kind of like went away, but that was like the most like Buddha, whatever you want to call <laughs> that stuff. Right. But here's my thing, man. I don't know if I want to reach enlightenment cause I love the friction, you know, the, the chase, the, the journey, the working towards the progression of something, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what fucking gives me life, bro. Like, I don't know. I, I love, it's not the actual achieving the goal, even though that feels good, you know, but like 20 seconds later, you're like, what's next? I've learned to start taking time to celebrate the wins more and letting it sink in and appreciate it. But dude, I thrive off of the actual building of something. I don't know. It's just like, there's something about that that just, makes me feel alive and makes me feel fulfilled. I love that. You know, and touching on, you, you talked about masterminds and you also have touched on, you know, pulling your bootstraps up when you're in tough situations. I know you were telling a story about when you actually did join your first mastermind, you were in a really bad financial spot and it really wasn't the most responsible thing to the average person. But, you know, I think a lot of what, you know, obviously you're, you're interviewing entrepreneurs all day. I think we can all relate to taking risks that other people wouldn't. And looking at things as an investment rather than throwing money away. It's like, hey, man, if, if I don't do this and I save my money, where's the light at the end of the tunnel there? You know, where's my hope versus, you know, if I take a shot here, at least I got something to go on. And for me, you know, I went through some other stuff, but hope was a huge thing for me that I think pulled me out of a bad time of just the littlest thing of like, man, if I invest in this and I go do this, it's something to look forward to. It's something to get me out of bed like one day and then the next day and the next day. And um, <clears throat> with masterminds, I found in the last year or two, the ones that I've joined have really helped me level up. How much have you seen finding, and obviously there's good and bad ones, but when you find the good ones and the right people to surround yourself with, how much is that coming into play now for helping you, obviously, when you got started and now helping you level up from where you are? Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson.
Dude, I'm the type of person that will jump off the cliff and grow wings on the way down. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so taking risk has never been like hard for me. That's why I ended up in prison all the time. (laughs) I'm not scared to do something. Like I'm an action taker, 100%. Now there's the pros and cons to everything, right? So that's what you're talking about. When I went in the toughest financial position I've ever been in my life, the most stressful financially I've ever been. You know, we we have we have four kids. Our bills were backed out, but backed up. Credit cards maxed up. Our water was shut off. Um, and I went and got a title loan on this Chrysler Aspen just to join this mastermind. Now, mind you, I was in that position because I continued to take risk before that, and I was investing in things that didn't work. You know what I'm saying? And jumping off the cliff and hitting my head on rocks on the way down, you know, I didn't grow the wings a bit, but it took all those failures to get to the point where I finally broke through. So the way I look at it is like, you know, a lot of people are scared to take risk, but if I look at it, if, if it's not going to kill you, do it, man. Cause you're going to have to learn. And the best way to learn is by doing and then learning from that, that, the, the, the mistakes. So anyways, long story short, uh, yeah, I invested in that and, I didn't make money overnight by joining that mastermind, dude. For the next three months, it got even worse. But and everybody was like, "Dude, you're stupid. Why would you go get a, 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 a of anything a title loan that has ridiculous interest rates, and you're already so far in the hole, and you got a family feed like that's irresponsible, blah blah, blah all this stuff." But you know what though? Eleven months after that decision, and then eight months after I f- actually broke through became a six-figure business owner because of that decision so you know it, it, it's it, it it's like it doesn't feel good it doesn't you know it's like it's I know I get it man like it's like holy shit like if this doesn't work you know what I'm saying like I understand that feeling but man think about this what gets me to actually take that is I think about further down the road I think long game I'm thinking at the end of my days when I'm about to die and I'm reflecting on my life I will be totally cool with myself if I didn't achieve my goals as long as I know that I did everything in my power to reach them. But if I look back on my life and say, man, I didn't reach my goals and I know I could have, if I would have just took that risk, if I would have just bet on myself instead of trying to play it safe, I could have been and achieved what I, my potential. But now I didn't achieve my potential. That would make me miserable. I'd probably off myself. You know what I'm saying? With that, that feeling makes me literally sick. And by having that negative visualization, everybody talks about positive visualization. visualization. I do positive visualization. visualization. It's a tongue twister. Um, I do positive visual, visualization all the time, every day. But I also do negative visualiz- visualization because the negative gets me to take the action. Because we're humans and we're moved by pain. Literally, we move away from pain and move towards pleasure. And so if you, get, you think about the pain of not taking action, you're going to move away and actually take that action. You know what I mean? I think that's awesome, man. And I, I completely live by that too. For me, the biggest motivator is regret. I'd rather have failure than regret. You know, I think the old quote is at the end of your life, it's the things that you didn't do that you'll regret, not the things that you did. So I'm a big believer in swinging the bat. You know, never, nobody ever saved their way to wealthy or, or any of that. All, all those cliches are true, you know, but, you know, going into business from there, I love listening to a lot of, especially the more recent podcasts you're doing with some of the guys, the guys from Lending Tree. And I just heard, uh, I think this week you had Justin Demers on, but you're talking a lot about pivoting and putting systems and processes in place. And I hear you constantly giving a lot of kudos and attention and thanks to, hey man, it, it's not me, it's, it's my team. I'm the visionary. I have these other people in places. 
this is not my strength. I put people who are strong at these places. And, and I always give that analogy. I go, look, you can be the best pitcher in baseball, but if you don't have a catcher and an outfield and an offense, you're not winning any games. Like you have to have a team around you, regardless of how good you think you are. If you really want to be successful long-term and have a thriving business, you need a good team and you need a players. Um, what is your, what is your experience now from putting together teams? Cause I know it's always a work in progress. And, you know, when you start out, you think you're going to set the perfect team and they're going to stay there forever. And then you realize that it's always evolving. It's always changing. Good people go bad, bad people go good. You know, one guy wants to go off on his own. It's just things happen. So what has your experience been like getting yourself to the point of now having these A players and things firing for the most part where they should be? Yeah, dude. Like, like you said, dude, the team is everything. Dude, I, man, I would not be able to do the things we're doing now without them, period, point blank. It's just when it happened, there's not enough time in the day to do all the stuff that we're doing. Um, and quite frankly, I wouldn't be able to do it as good as the team does it. Because like I said, man, system, like for, for me, for a clear example, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a visionary. I'm a creative. You know, I can I can create the vision and sell the vision and, and, and you know, and, and, and get people excited about it and, and like have these great ideas. But I can't actually build the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the system, like I, my mind is not analytical. I can't set up a, you know, if a customer has this and this has to have this, I've done it. I can do it. But it takes me 10 times longer than somebody that's built that way to do it. And it's not as good as they would do it. And so by bringing on you know, my glaring weaknesses are systems and operations and finance, you know? So I went and got two people that are world-class in those areas to, 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 to compensate. And it's been the biggest blessing ever. But like you said, with building a team, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. So like what drives me is like right now, you know, I'm making my name as like the podcast guy, but that's not the end game. You know what I'm saying? And that's, uh, it's, it's it's great and I love it and I love helping people do the podcast stuff and and but I've taken it a step further because it's it does I, I like to think big and go big right I have to that's just it's in my nature of who I am and so I'm thinking about like vertical integration like how do how can I offer different types of businesses that's truly our our with our core mission of making it cool to be yourself making it cool cool to be you again instead of trying to act like something that you're not with that being our core mission, especially in the internet marketing space, all these fucktards, dude, but uh, <laughs> with that being our core mission and also a 9% recidivism rate or lower nationwide by helping convict the felons and stuff. How can we totally dominate the podcast industry by helping people be themselves and put out truth into the marketplace? And so I'm like, okay, we're launching this hosting company, this podcast hosting company. It's not a hosting company. It's literally a one-stop shop. No other companies are doing this. I'm not going to get into the finer details, but they just help you host the podcast, help you get it launched. But I'm talking about like, how can we help you launch, run, and market your podcast all in one spot? Like literally record the stuff in there, like everything you would need to do end to end in this podcast, boom, one place. All these, like we got different ventures and stuff going now, but it's all like in the podcasting industry, but it's not just like, podcast coaching and you know are an agency of a done for you service i'm thinking like outside the box now i, I think i kind of went down off a down a rabbit hole what was the original question bro just about the the process of going through and creating the team that you have you know oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. bumps and bruises along the way of getting those key people in and learning who's good who's bad what you want what you don't want what's a good fit what's a bad fit yeah dude i'm, I'm if i ever start just going down a rabbit hole just <laughs> back rate me because I'll, I'll do that i totally started going off but yeah man i love it that makes the best radio sometimes yeah the team is everything though man and 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 what that was the point i'm trying to drive home is you have to have the team 
before this, before reasoning, before I started making the shift, before my mind started expanding by getting around other people that have expanded, right? Um, I was an intrapreneur, meaning I was the one, you know, I was still the rainmaker, the visionary, you know, making it rain, but I was still operating the business. I was working in the business. Now I'm actually becoming an entrepreneur, a true entrepreneur, where I literally just found my three core strengths, which is creating the vision and selling the vision. That's one. Growing the audience, that's part of making it rain and stuff. And then, and then hooking external relationships, hooking, hooking the relationships that need to happen and, and finding and part of selling the vision is either selling clients or selling people into the team or all this stuff. Right. But that's it. That's all I need to do. Anything else? Nope. I'm not an operator. So I just go and find operators that are good at operating the thing and then create the venture. And I had, I create the vision for it, feed the vision and build, develop the culture and stuff in that. So you can't do that. I mean, the visionaries are so important to every company, right? But you can't do that without your team, without the operators, without the people that make it come to life. And so team is everything. I agree. You know, it's, it's like a car. You need a gas and a brake. You can't have both. Otherwise, you're crashing into walls or you're not going anywhere. So having that balance, I think, is a huge piece. And I think far too often when people are looking for partners, they look for partners that are the same. And you don't realize at first that that's really a mistake because now you know, again, you're, you're both going down the same direction. There's nobody, there's no system of checks and balances. And, you know, one of the things I heard you talk about that I've learned, especially as of late is huge. Um, one of my friends, Nathan calls it planning the divorce. And I've heard you talk about when you're first putting things in place, you're looking into the future of, okay, what happens when, when I don't want to do this anymore, or you want to go off on your own or, or we get, I want to get bought out or whatever. Talk a little bit about that, because I think that that is something that people they shy away from initially in business of not wanting to talk about what happens when there is a split, but you know, it's almost always inevitable and it doesn't have to be a bad thing. But I think to bury your head in the sand when you're building any business and not consider at some point, there's going to be some sort of split or a change of opinion or a different direction and not address that from the beginning, you're only causing it to be more awkward and more problems later on. And that's where lawyers are making all these money these days, you know? Like I literally just went through this where. We had we were talking about equity partners uh, with two with two other two other guys and uh, awesome awesome dudes, but we did a trial period ahead of time and we were going to build into the contract. You know we were going to put this in place like hey, you know I, I I'm I'm more and I know that like a lot of people say like dude you got to be careful about equity and stuff you know because that's that's your thing that you've built you know what I'm saying it's your baby that you built up to this point. I'm more leaning towards like, hey, man, I would rather give some equity to someone because they're going to be more invested if they're the right fit, uh, because I know we can create a bigger pie together and actually achieve the vision. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about is actually making the vision a real thing. And so that's where I lean towards. However, you got to build in there if it's if, especially if like you're the visionary, if you're the one that's 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 made it and got it to where it's at. Right. Um you have to maintain control at least 51% of the company, but you had, I, I would recommend like building in things like buyout clauses because who knows, like, dude, everybody, like you said, everybody wants to talk, plan. Like if everything goes according to plan, but what about when things don't go to plan? You know, if like, if relationships go sour or if, you know, your business partner that you're teaming up with, you know, gets, has something major happen in his life and doesn't want to do it anymore. You know what I'm saying? And like now, you know, what are you going to do then? And so you should get it written, the language in the actual contracts, whereas like if somebody wants to go and do their own thing, that you still hold the power to be able to buy them out. So that way you still have the thing. 
You know what I mean? And then you can bring in whoever else you need to at that point. You can literally structure it a lot of different ways, but you definitely want to make sure that you're protecting yourself in those cases if you are going to you know, partner up with somebody. I think it's such an important thing in business that's not talked about enough. So I definitely agree. And I, I appreciate that feedback. Um, so let's talk about the thing that you're most known for right now and how I found you, which is the Underdog Empowerment Podcast. So um, talk a little bit about what your podcast is, what, what it's about. And, you know, obviously it's, it's very entrepreneur driven, but you've had some massive guests on that. Yeah, man. Thanks, dude. I love podcasting. Obviously, my um, opinion towards podcasting is completely biased because podcasting really did truly change my life. Dude. Like literally before the podcast, nobody would give me the time of day. Uh, I would try to collaborate with other entrepreneurs and I would, you know, they, they would be like, man, who's this guy? I think he is. He's an ex-convict trying to become an entrepreneur. This guy's a joke. You know, all that, you know, I was, that's what I was dealing with. And nobody wanted to anything to do with me. And then, you know, that went on for years. And then I launched the podcast, <clears throat> like I mentioned earlier, got it ranked on day three, had Billy Jean is marketing on the show the next week. And then my brand's just been skyrocketing ever since. And more importantly, Dude, I get all the fucking time get messages from people that listen to the show and they tell me how something changed their life or how they can relate or how they're going through a tough time and all the uh, like how this thing helped them get to the next level. So it's literally helping people in a major way. Like and I get bombarded with these things, which I love. And it's like, damn, we're actually doing what we set out to do, man. That there's nothing that beats it. as cheesy as that sounds like until you start having that happen in your own life, then you and you know how that feels like, dude. That's like the best ever bit. It's cool because when I started the podcast, I was broke as shit. And I didn't try and act like I was further along. Like I kept it real from day one. And now we're really taking off in business. You know what I'm saying? We're multi six figures and scaling up to seven. And this the whole time I just been able to document the journey. So you literally get to grow for me from episode one all the way through and just learn as I learn. Because I literally share all the new shit that I learned right there on the podcast. So this has been a, it's been fun. It's been exciting. And it's just been really fulfilling, man. That's awesome, man. I get a lot out of it for sure. And I agree. Anytime somebody, you know, makes your day when somebody just writes things like, Hey, I listened to this. I really enjoyed it or really helped me, or this was great. It's like, man, all right. It makes you kind of fired up on those days that you don't really want to jump up and do them. Um, which is another thing I definitely wanted to talk to you about. I am all for everybody doing podcasts, but I think some people underestimate the amount of work it actually takes. And I love that's a service of where you came in because as I started to do it, it was like, man, there, there's editing and then, you know, you, you want to do sound quality, like even things that you've helped me fine tune as far as getting better equipment, having more of a professional sound. I can't unhear that now when I see like a big guest on a show and they're just yelling into their MacBook and it sounds crappy or, you know, j- just a lot of stuff to really, like you said, the details, like you were talking about yourself, leveling up on each piece and bring your A game to each piece, I think is a really huge thing. But um, what was your experience when you first started or what are you experiencing with the people you work with? Are a lot of them kind of not understanding what really needs to go into putting a successful podcast together? Because it is a lot of work. Yeah, it's a whole lot of work. And so who we typically work with, um, you know, there's always exceptions, to everything, but the people that we work with mostly are people like yourself um, that are already crushing it in business. They got a lot going on. You know what I'm saying? So time you know, it's, it's, everybody has the same 24 hours in the day, but as an entrepreneur, when you have a successful business, everybody's pulling for your time because, you know, you got your clients that you got to help. You got your team members you have to help and you got your vendors that you got to help and you got your family and your friends and all the other normal stuff. So, um, their, their time is the main thing and do with a podcast. Like you said, dude, it's not just, you know, record, like you got to 
edit the podcast and you got to upload it to your hosting service provider. And then you got to create all the marketing assets and that can go deep depending on how much you want to market it. You know what I'm saying? You can do a bunch of different things with that. And then you got to, you know, follow up with guests and, you know, see if they're going to share it out. And it's all these things, right. That go into it, which it is a lot of work and it's a long game. Like you can get all these quick results, you know, quick wins from the podcast, but really podcasting is a long game. Everything's a long game for being honest. And so you gotta be that that's the thing that we try to solve that we go that like our main problem is like how can we save our clients the most possible time and get them the best results to where they literally record six episodes a month send it to us and then we do everything else for them you know what i'm saying that's what we try to solve because a lot of people just got a lot of stuff going on yeah for sure i mean in time is money especially like you said when you're talking to entrepreneurs it goes back to the team building you know you're another player on that team to help make things successful and you can't do everything on your on your own as I'm obviously learning. You know, it sucks up all the, the hours in a day. Um, but what are some of the things you guys do now? So coming through, you know, because again, I, I think people think you just you call somebody, they call you, you, you pull it up, and you can do that. But you know, I found that especially when you're interviewing bigger guests, celebrity guests with big followings that are used to doing interviews, you start to really stick out when you are not prepared. And you know, some of my friends that I've talked to that are that are you know bigger names or have been on other things or have been interviewed they always come back after and they're like, man, I'll tell you when somebody's interviewing us and they're not prepared or they ask us stupid questions or they mess shit up, like it really shows. But the opposite of when somebody really does put the time in to do the homework and ask good questions and find out about us, it always goes a long way. And we're always happy to give them a review or do another interview with them. And I always remember that. And when I do go that extra mile, I always get a comment on it from whoever it is or an email following up after of, you know, that was really nice that you, you went the extra mile and you did that. So all the prep work and things like that, I know you being someone who's talked to so many entrepreneurs, I always would love to learn, you know, you should write your own book about all the stuff you're learning from them, but just, you know, a quick tip or just something that sticks out that from interviewing so many high level guys, what's something you've taken away from them collectively? Mm, I love that question, dude. There's a lot, but really they, they keep shit simple. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that doesn't mean life is easy. They just keep things simple because simple means effective. You know what I'm saying? And efficient. Um, sometimes simple can be as simple as, you know, eating a healthy diet and working out five times a week. That's simple. It's not easy, though, sometimes for some for a lot of people. You know what I mean? Um, so they, they keep stuff simple, but they're a lot of them. They're very intense, too. And I'm like glad to see that because I'm very intense myself. But they they have standards. And they don't budge on those standards and they hold not only everybody around them accountable to the standards, but themselves as well. And anything that is not met to those standards, is, it gets called out and not in like a, a douchebag mean way, but in a way of really trying to truly empower other people. Because if you hold people to a certain standard, you're helping them become more. Um, and so I notice that a lot, especially like with the Andy Priscilla's, you know what I'm saying? Or Bedros Killian and stuff like very intense and driven by that by that vision you know they're all i don't know I, I love it i love that too i think that's amazing man um so i like to call this the victory lap as we kind of phase out of the interview and get to some final questions and obviously um you know at the end i definitely want to talk about what you guys do and some of the podcast editing and and services that you offer but in this uh, final few questions here one of them i like to ask is what's the worst job you've ever had <laughs> Uh, I would say my very first one. And, and that's when I really like, I should have figured this out a long time ago, but uh, 
so I went to my first job and it was McDonald's and I was 16 years old and I literally lasted half a shift and I pulled a star face off of half baked. And I was like, fuck you, fuck you. Fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> I was like, that's not for me. And then after that, I, I did all sales jobs after that, like door to door, you know, cons- uh, for setting free consultation for like roof and siding, windows, gutter, stuff like that, or finished basements or selling meat off the back of a tr- truck door to door or retail always was a sales job after that. I always gravitated towards that because I like talking to people, figuring out what their problems are and helping them solve it. Um, and so, yeah, it was definitely McDonald's. Dude. I was like, this shit, no way. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, after doing all the reading, what would be top three books that you would recommend? For a personal development slash mindset one, um, hands down, without a doubt, this would probably be the most transformational book you'll ever read. It's the most transformational book that I've ever read. Like, you know, you got books that just have a gold nugget here or there. This whole book was just like, will literally change your perception of life. And it's man's, A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And long story short, he did, he did seven years in the Nazi death camps, literally witnessed people dying around him day in, day out family members that like just the brutalest most tortured horrific thing you could ever imagine and he talks about finding the meaning in that suffering and it's just like it was, like it literally makes my five years in prison feel like a daycare uh compared to what he went through and stuff and the lessons he's he derived from that so hands down without a doubt a personal development mindset book that one and if you're talking about business uh, one that was really good for me, there's many of them, but I would recommend Traction because especially if you're a visionary like myself, if you are the the visionary, the creative, the, you know, the guy that's got the ideas and that can sell the vision and, you know, you're, you're, you know, you jump off the cliff and grow wings on the way down type. Um, this book's helped bring structure to your business because it shows you the value and what you got to do to actually, you know, build a real business, not just what you think is a business, but an actual business and structure it the right way. That's awesome. Yeah, Attraction is a great book. Yeah. It's the kind of book I had to read it a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a lot of stuff in there, but it, it made me realize how much of a business I didn't have before I read it. So yeah. anybody, nah, you don't even know what you're missing unless you've read that book and really start to integrate some of those things. Oh, um, I really love too the, all the, the downloads that it had, like the graphs and then it has the worksheets. It like, it's like an interactive book. And helps you it helps you retain it more. Yeah, now that book that book's huge for sure. All right, now I know you you probably have a great answer for this because I know you ask a version of it on your podcast as well. But I always like to ask if you had a time machine, and a young Zachary Babcock came up to you today and wanted advice on life, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give a younger you? I always try because it it changes. You know, you know, as you as you grow and evolve and learn more and, and get exposed to more then you, you know, this answer will, will change. So uh, if I had to go back and, and, and I'll start over and just give myself one piece of advice, man, that's, that, that's such, a good, such a good question. Cause there's like so much you want to do, but if it's only one, if it's only one um, become a true master of, of what you do, you know, like find out that thing that you, that, and how you find it is something that, you you find that thing that you love, something that you're passionate about, that your per that has a purpose, like you feel called upon doing, something that you had you know the skill sets in. Doesn't mean you have to be world class at it right now, but it, it has to match up with your strengths. You know, like like you know, like with me being building an audience, that's like something that matches up with my strengths versus trying to write a SOP is my weakness. You know, so find something that matches up with your strengths, and then fourth, 
something that's that's has an opportunity to monetize you know so you find find that thing and become a true master of it and really just go super deep and just surround yourself with the right people that aren't your your a game you know what i mean focus on your a game dude and i know it's a a pun intended but but it, it really is important to do that dude because my philosophy in life is in in physical mental stuff yeah i'm trying to double down on my weakness like I got chicken legs. So in the gym, I'm doing squats and I'm eating a lot of protein, stuff like that. But in business, you have to double down on your strengths and complement the weaknesses with other people uh, if you want to build something great and move fast. So that, that, that would be it. That's a great answer, man. I love that. And uh, obviously, finally, talk about Underdog Empowerment. Talk about some of the services you guys offer, uh, some of the stuff you're doing for me, for the podcasting community. You guys, you do a lot. You really are a one-stop shop for a whole bunch of different things. So um, just talk about all the things you offer and where people can find you. Right on, man. Appreciate it, dude. Um, yeah, dude, if you're trying to start a podcast and you kind of just want to do it yourself, but you want a little bit of a guidance, like a course, uh, we got a course called Top Rated Podcast and shows you A to Z, everything you need to know to get your podcast up and running, launched and ranked on Apple. Um, and we, dude, like everybody we work with gets their podcast ranked on Apple. Um, so that's at launchthepod.com. Uh, if you need help, if you're more like, you don't have that much time and you need more hands-on like maybe coaching or some done for you services somebody that produces your show for you you just record it send it in uh you can go to alphapodcasting.com and set up a call and we'll hop on a call and see if it's a good fit and for everything else if you just want to connect uh definitely check me out on the podcast you can go to underdogempowerment.com uh right there on the home page there's a little spot for you to subscribe there's also all my social media stuff all right there on underdog empowerment that's awesome, man. And I will say when I was looking for somebody, I put feelers out everywhere and I put stuff out on social media asking and overwhelmingly it came back over and over again. You got to hit up Zachary Babcock. You got to hit up Zachary Babcock. So you are definitely the guy who's known to do that. So I jumped right in. I haven't regretted it. You've been definitely very helpful. I appreciate all the stuff you guys have been given. I appreciate your course. and I definitely appreciate your time today, man. Any uh, closing thoughts before I let you get back to your day? Hey, man, dude, I had a blast being on here. Thanks for having me on. Definitely got to ha- do it again. We got to get you out to St. Louis, man, uh, and do an in-person interview on the show, dude. Uh, we, we're literally opening up the studio next week. Nice. <clears throat> yeah, we'll hook you up with all the video footage. It's going to be badass, dude. I'd love that, man. Anytime. Hell, hell yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. Obviously, I'll put all the show notes and the links if anybody's looking when this comes out. Uh, Zachary Babcock, underdogempowerment.com. Thank you very much for your time, man. Have a great day. Likewise, my man. Thank you. Take it easy, brother.